1: The lost faces from ECW's final few years, because let's be honest, not everyone can be an extreme icon, particularly when your surname shares its spelling with literal phallus. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, and these are 10 wrestlers who vanished when ECW died. Number 10. Chili Willy You get it? It's funny, because it could mean a man's genitalia is feeling a cold breeze. He's not officially retired, but since ECW folded, there's not been much for Chilly Willy to get stuck into. You'd be forgiven for not remembering him, as just 14 of Willy's 53 matches under the ECW banner were ever televised. He did, however, unsuccessfully challenge Rhino for the ECW World TV title on an episode of ECW, CW on TNN, while the 2000 November to Remember pay-per-view saw him involved in a flaming tables match alongside Balls Mahoney. Gilly charge 2001 would ultimately mark Willie's final in-ring appearance on any televised wrestling product, as he and Mahoney, Chili Balls, anyone, went to a one-minute no contest with Simon Diamond and Swinger. Number 9, Bill Wiles. Bill Wiles wasn't necessarily used in such a role that benefited his career, as he was often utilised to do the job for other higher-ranked ECW grapplers. Everyone from Taz, Bam Bam Bigelow and Axel Rotten scored a win over Wiles. What was interesting about Wiles's ECW journey is that he first began in the company as a construction worker. He was responsible for the physical creation of ECW's rings and for hauling heavy equipment around backstage. So in a way, he was more important than to the success of ECW than first meets the eye. On screen, Bill Wiles' most prominent run came as a part of Louie Dangerously's Dangerous Alliance, teaming frequently with CW Anderson. Unfortunately, they are very much a forgotten piece of ECW's tag team puzzle, as was Wiles' subsequent pairing with The Prodigy. He's wrestled only occasionally since, and almost exclusively for Monster Factory Pro Wrestling, where he's also a trainer. Number 8. Jason If you're a long-time viewer of early 90s WWF Superstars episodes, then the name Jason Knight may not be much of a surprise to you. He wrestled frequently as an aimless goober for both the WWF and also for WCW, acting as an enhancement talent for the Mountie, Lex Luger, and the Beverly Brothers, amongst others. In ECW, though, Knight, later known simply as Jason, found decent success in his first enjoying a relatively short run as the world television champion. With this reign, the Waterbury, Connecticut native attained a multitude of wins over Mikey Whipwreck, the man he defeated for the strap. But ultimately, Too Cold Scorpio ended his reign after 83 days. That aside, Jason largely floundered. He would be defeated by The Sandman, The Blue Meanie, and Chris Chetty, more on him a little bit later on, whilst also trying out his hand and managing some rather important clients. The Eliminators are perhaps his largest names. Post ECW, Jason has wrestled just 50 recorded matches. Although this seems like a great deal, none of these were for noteworthy promotions other than a single tag team match on an NWA TNA event. Number seven, Big Sal E Graziano. Big Sal E Graziano, the colossal 600 pounder from the full-blooded Italians, literally did vanish upon the death of Extreme Championship Wrestling. wrestle just two matches after his time there was finished. What's fascinating is that the other 61 of his matches of his career were all contested in ECW. Owing to his large frame, Graziano was largely restricted to tag team bounce only. On the rare occasion he did compete in singles action, they didn't last very long. At the 2000 Heatwave pay-per-view, for example, Big Sal defeated Balls Mahoney in just two and a half minutes. He was never intended to be a credible in-ring performer, though. He acted Perfectly in the henchman role as he was literally this larger-than-life guy who had the perfect grasp on comedy within wrestling. Sal will never be in the running for ECW's greatest wrestler, but in the silent background role... He was untouchable. Number 6. Scotty Riggs You likely remember Scotty Riggs mainly for his and Marcus Alexander Bagwell's American Males pairing in WCW. Under the alias of Scotty Anton, however, Riggs was also part of ECW in its dying stages, debuting in the middle of 2000 as an ally of RVD. Until, of course, he turned on Rob Van Dam shortly after, in turn costing him his two-year undefeated streak scotty's tenure in ecw largely spent as a hired gun within the network's table was short-lived unfortunately personal and health issues prohibited riggs from pursuing much of a wrestling career after ecw he did however find a brief slew of success in the turnbuckle championship wrestling company becoming a three-time tcw heavyweight champion and a one-time tag team champion
2: here's a cool fact Yeah.
1: Number 5, Chris Chetty. For just over four years, Chris Chetty starred on the ECW roster, having been trained by Mikey Wiprek and Taz, the latter of whom is actually his cousin. Chetty's ECW career took a while to get going, as he previously competed under two other aliases, Chris Vanderlei, and more humorously, as GQ Gorgeous. It was as Chris Chetty that brought in the most success, though. His partnership with Nova is what? he was most known for. Although they never captured the ECW Tag Team Championships, the pair enjoyed bouts with Danny Doring and Roadkill, the Impact players, and Gato and Jado. After losing to Nova at the 2000 November to remember pay-per-view, Chetty's time in ECW was up. He wrestled around the North American indie circuit from 2000 until 2005. Number four, Francine. You don't remember Francine's body of work in ECW much for her wrestling work as she was far more notorious for her managerial services. Be it in the corner of Tommy Dreamer, Stevie Richards or indeed as the leather clad dominatrix manager of the Pitbulls. Francine transcended the odds of being a pro wrestling manager. The queen of extreme added such passion to the rivalries her clients were involved in. Every segment she was in felt personal. When the Pitbulls super bombed her through a table upon Francine turning on them, you were invested. It was so perfectly executed that it only benefited her subsequent alliance with Shane Douglas. She twice aided Douglas in becoming ECW World Heavyweight Champion. Francine's final managership in ECW saw her company just incredible, doing so from the 2000 Cyberslam pay-per-view until the company closed up shop the following spring. She's only had minor appearances here and there, appearing for TNA and MLW early on and for WWE's ECW Revival. Didn't that go well? She and Ariel wrestled to a no-contest in an extreme catfight in Francine's final recorded match, which just about summarizes WWE's ill-fated attempts at bringing back the land of the extreme. Number three, The One-Man Gang. The One-Man Gang appeared for a brief period in ECW between September 98 and October 99, during which he lost a slew of matches to the so-called giant killer Spike Dudley. The first of those losses, Dudley was victorious in just 42 seconds. The real-life George Gray's existence in ECW was effectively that of a jobber. He put over RVD, Sabu and Shane Douglas, who was the world heavyweight champion at the time. Upon departing ECW, the one-man gang appeared in all manner of events. He wrestled Abdullah the Butcher on the infamous Heroes of Wrestling card, spent a chunk of time in Puerto Rico wrestling for the World Wrestling Council, and most of surprisingly teamed with Demolition's Axe and Smash during the 2008 Chikara, King of Trios tournament. His retirement match in 2009 saw him rather fittingly defeated by Jim Duggan, who famously eliminated the one-man gang to win the inaugural Royal Rumble match. Number two, The Prodigy. Debuting with ECW in August 1996 after training under the Dudley Boys, Taz, Perry, Saturn and others, The Prodigy was a mainstay with the company through to the final hour. Most notably, you may remember him alongside The Prodigy, as secondary acts alongside ECW stalwart Simon Diamond. Either that or you recall the Sideshow Freak Stable that included both the Prodigy and the Prodigette alongside Bilvis Wesley, the Musketeer and Johnny Swinger. No? Yeah, I thought not. He'd spend a brief period of time in Japan before returning to the States wrestling for a number of indie promotions across North America, including capturing Phoenix Championship Wrestling's TV Championship before his retirement match in December 2005. Number 1. Vic Grimes Now, you will remember Vic Grimes. His and New Jack's otherworldly spot from the 2000 Living Dangerously pay-per-view is infamous by now. A spot that went incredibly wrong, resulting in the late New Jack suffering brain damage and permanent blindness to the right eye. Seeking revenge, Jack then attempted to literally kill Grimes during a rematch two years later for the Extreme pro Wrestling. Wrestling organization in what was dubbed a freefall match. Grimes only—hey, only—suffered a dislocated ankle there, but New Jack has admitted to planning his murder that night. Christ! In ECW, Vic, who for those who are interested also starred in the WWF as Key for a short stint, replaced PN News in DeBaldi's group alongside Tony DeVito and the Spanish Angel. Understandably, Grimes departed ECW. Not long after the New Jack incident, last wrestling alongside DeBaldis in a loss to Kid Cash, Chris Chetty and Nova in what is a flat ending to his ECW career, considering what happened. Wrestling almost exclusively for XPW thereafter, Grimes also enjoyed time in California's all-pro wrestling company before seemingly retiring in 2015